Amen. Thank you, John. You know, over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the topic of worry. And during our conversations, we have discussed the lies that worry tells us. Remember the first lie that worry is helpful? Uh, We found that scripture revealed to us that worry is not really helpful. It is sinful. In fact, we talked about how worry is pride in disguise because we want to control and we are not in control. The second lie we worked at, uh, looked at was that worry is love. Worry is not love. Worry is a selfish attempt to control circumstances or people or situations. And we talked about the difference between worry and uh, a biblical concern. That's what we looked at last week. Uh, Concern is a biblical response focused on the well-being of ourselves and others. But worry is not. And we said, again, worry is a sin. And this week we're going to look at the third lie that that worry tells us. And this is actually kind of a a two-part lie. That worry is you, that you are worry, and that you are alone. This is probably, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous aspects and vicious lies of all three. Our enemy Satan wants us to believe that we worry because something is wrong with us and worse yet, he wants us to think that we are alone in our struggles, that we are alone. Worry though is not who we are. It is not who I am. Worry is not a symptom that something is wrong with us. Worry is a habit. Worry is a habit. And it's a bad habit. And some of us have that bad habit. A habit we develop to try to handle and control the world around us. But I thank God that habits can be overcome and changed. Because this lie is so vicious and damaging. I want us to spend some time uh, responding to this lie with the eternal truth and the transforming truth of God's word. The lie is that worry is you and that you are alone. And the only way to overcome a lie is with truth. As Christians, we ought to be depending on God's word to define who we are. And, and we have to understand our loving father, how he describes us. And so we're going to look at a list of God's description for who we are. This isn't an exhaustive list, but God says this first. God says that we are more than conquerors. In Romans 8, we read these words. Who will separate us from the love of God, of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than Conquers. Our loving Father wants us to know he believes there is not a single circumstance that we can't overcome with his help. That his love is always there with us if we will accept it. God wants us to know that through his strength we can overcome anything that we face. Let me be clear though. Overcoming doesn't always mean that things will work out the way we wanted or hoped. But we know 
that God has conquered and we can conquer as well. In fact, the second truth is that God says we are already victorious. In 2 Corinthians, we read these words. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. I think this scripture is encouraging for those of us facing situations that tempt us or worry us because it tells us that God is not leading us to a place of victory, but from a place of victory. Because of Christ's victory on the cross, we who are followers of Christ are already victorious. We're not going to victory. We're going from victory to greater victory. That is the truth. And so even though we have that victory, sometimes we know in life it can be difficult, but we have to understand that we have already won and now we're going on to a greater victory. We are already victorious. And that God has the power to triumph over any circumstance that we face. The third truth, that, that God has given us a sound mind. In 2 Timothy, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A crucial promise that we must cling to when we are tempted to worry. If God did not give us fear, then our fear, our anxiety, and our worry comes from the enemy. Our enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy us. Why would we accept that from him? We must remind ourselves what our Father has given us. Power to overcome circumstances. Love for God and others and ourselves and a sound mind. We have the God-given ability to reject the temptation to worry and embrace faithfulness and biblical concern. That's what God has given us. Fourth, we are able to tear down strongholds of false truths. Again, from 2 Corinthians, Paul says, indeed, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds, we destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know, this week I have had many opportunities to worry. How about you? I have had many opportunities to stress out over things that are going on in my life, but we are able to tear down those strongholds of truth. It says that we take captive every thought to obey Christ. One of the things that I practiced, I actually practiced what I preached from last week. That's, it's, it's a great thing. When, when I was tempted to worry and when I was worrying, what did I do this week is I intentionally began to meditate on the verse that we've been talking about. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I would repeat that phrase over and over in my head. When I was worried about something going on in my life, I would say, cast all my anxieties on God. And then I kept focusing on that last part, because he cares for me. God cares for me. And that helps when we can tear down those strongholds of truth. 
See, not every thought that we have is ours, but we can decide what thoughts we will allow to remain in our heads. We have the ability to, to prayfully, prayerfully determine what thoughts we're going to meditate on. Remember, worry is pride in disguise. And then fifth, we are not alone. God says this, we are not alone. I think this is so important for us to understand. The enemy is going to take every advantage that he can of any hardship or difficult circumstance that we face by using it to try to convince us that we are alone in our struggle. Whatever we struggle with, we're alone. No one else is facing it and we have to face it alone or that God doesn't care or is uninvolved. But that is a lie. We read in verse eight of our text from 1 Peter, these words, like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Do you have that image? Think about that image. Think about that image. Satan tries to get us to think that we're alone. He's like a lion prowling around. He tries to separate us from the pack and isolate us so that he can attack us and overcome. He gets us thinking that we are the only ones dealing with an issue or worry and we get deeper and deeper in worry, not realizing that we're in danger of being strangled by worry, not realizing that we're in danger of going into deeper depression if we isolate and make ourselves alone. Or we can make this mistake of, of saying, I, I, I gotta do it on my own. And that's when we're most vulnerable. We stop going to church and then we feel bad because we haven't been connected. And then we say, we gotta get our act together before I can come back to church. That's crazy thinking. Right? No, it's when we're the weakest and the most vulnerable. What do we need? We need the safety of the pack. We need the safety of each other so that we aren't strangled by worry, so that we are not killed by the enemy. We need that love and support. We need a community we make the mistake of trying to do it on our own. When we have to fight that thought by reminding ourselves of the truth, verse nine of our first Peter scripture reminds us that all of us face hardships. There is none of us that suffers alone. It says this, resist him steadfast in your faith for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. It's a powerful verse. We have to remember the truths of God and of Scripture. And you know, meditating on Scripture can help us in those times as well. One of the most powerful Scriptures, one of the most well-known Scriptures is what? Uh, Psalm 23. Remember from Psalms 23, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Some translations say through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I I love that. Even though we walk through the darkest valley, all of us will walk through dark valleys. But God is with us. And dark valleys can easily tempt us to believe that God has abandoned us or is angry with us. That thought itself has entrapped so many people in a downward spiral of worry. The truth is God is with us in the dark valley. He is the good shepherd leading us through the difficult circumstances. Worry should not be an option because he is with us. I love the quote from Corey Ten Boom. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Or from Deuteronomy and Hebrews, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. These are the truths of scripture that we should meditate on. Now, I hope you're not hearing me say that we shouldn't just ignore our problems or that uh, I believe that the best thing to do is to just don't worry, be happy. That's not what I'm saying. Because struggles and anxiety are real things in this world. It's a great phrase, it's a great song, but it's not biblical truth. Uh, The phrase itself originated from an Indian mystic, Meher Baba, who taught that reality is an illusion created by our imagination. That's basically what Hinduism teaches. Reality is just illusion. So, So don't worry, just be happy. It's easy to say it's not biblical truth. Sometimes life is difficult. In fact, he was involved in two serious car accidents that left him crippled in pain the rest of his life. Do you think he lived by that motto, don't worry, be happy? No, we have to rely on God and his truth. Don't worry, be happy is like saying, be well and well fed to a starving person, but giving them nothing to eat. Or telling a freezing person to stay warm without giving them a blanket or a coat. It has no power. We can't simply ignore the things that tempt us to worry. But when worry tries to lie to us and tell us that it's who we are, that there's no way out, and that we are alone, we have to combat that lie with the truth. God's truth. We have to remind ourselves how God describes us in all of those verses and those truths that I shared. Caleb Succo warns us that if we let it, the cares of life can separate us from the very essence of life. And that essence is God. You saw the lion earlier. What does the lion do? He seeks out those who have isolated themselves, who think that they're alone, who won't get help, who won't be a part of the community of faith because they think we gotta get my act together before I can get back in. And God says, no, you have to get back in so that you can get your act together, so that we can protect you. And that's the last thing I would like to say as we kind of wrap up this series on worry, is don't worry about needing help. 
So many people suffer alone because they are afraid or embarrassed to ask for help. Please don't do that. It's not brave to bear your worry alone. It's dumb. I would rather you be brave and not dumb. That is the snare of the enemy, to keep that noose of worry around your neck. If you need help with worry, get it. If you need our help, let us know. We want to help get you resources to help you let go of that habit of worry. And I remind you again, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let us pray. How I thank you, God, that you walk with us through the deepest valleys of life. In the darkest valleys of life, you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies, our cup overflows. I love the image, oh God, that even in the darkest valley, you prepare a table for us. You invite us to not be alone. And we will remember your promise that surely goodness and mercy will follow us as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come Holy Spirit in this moment. Help us to release those worries to you. Come and transform our heart even now, O oh God. For you are a God who loves to transform lives. I know, O oh God, that there are some here this morning that are struggling deeply with worry and anxiety. And they're doing it alone. May they have that image of the lion in their head all week. And may they seek your help. Thank you, God, for not giving up on us, for loving us when we're stupid, for loving us even when we failed and drawing us back to you. We thank you in your holy name. Amen.